0: I think we're going to learn about how people come together and collaborate in this world and technology can play a big part in that but i don't know if technology will ever like get to that point where there's not still
1: things that you love about being in person Welcome to NPS I Love You, a podcast powered by Catalyst. I'm your host, Ben Wynn, and this show is all about awesome people, ideas, and stories, all with a customer success twist. On NPS I Love You, I talk to everyone from artists to scientists, CEOs to CSMs, and everyone in between to give you powerful insights that will help you in your career and in life. Michael Pryor co-founded Fog Creek Software, which spun out Trello in 2014. Michael joined Atlassian in 2017 after a $425 million acquisition of Trello, the largest in Atlassian's history, where he is now the head of Trello at Atlassian. On this episode, Michael and I discuss the future of work, strategies for managing teams remotely, and the importance of human connection. How has uh, working remotely been for you?
0: It has been challenging, I will say. We've actually been pretty distributed, our team at Trello, for six years or so. Um, we had gotten to a point where almost 70% of the team was working entirely remotely. Oh, wow. But I think that today, with this whole COVID lens on top of it, it becomes a whole different ballgame. So like mm-hmm. all of the distractions that might not normally be there, like your kids are at home, or you, you don't have daycare because it's not open, or all those other things are now... Happening at the same time, and so for us, it was—I think our team—it was an easier transition because of a lot of the practices that we've had in place for working remotely, we already were doing those sorts of things.
1: It's kind of like that thing where, for a long time, everyone would have been like, "Oh, I want to work remotely. That sounds amazing." And then the second you have to work remotely and it's not a choice, it's like, "Well, now I don't want to do it." Yeah. Now it's hard. Now it's now it's a struggle. Yeah. What's been kind of the biggest challenge for you personally? I think that even
0: though we were distributed, we did spend a lot of time together. Um, so even the people that were working from their houses that were in California or you know Minneapolis or wherever they were in the US, we would have people come to our headquarters in New York every once in a while. Yeah. And I was commuting there as well. And so I think there is a lot of value in FaceTime and being with people and maybe we can get our work done And this like being totally distributed, but almost how do we build the sense of trust and belonging and all those other things that you need. And so we actually plan a yearly get together for the entire Trello team. It's called Trello Together, you know, we've been doing it since the beginning, Sweet, and we had to cancel it this year. And so everyone was super bummed. And like, that's what I miss, like, that's been the the hardest thing. So, yeah, day to day, any individual day, as far as like, you know, using the tools, getting on the Zoom, all those things are pretty similar. But never having the opportunity to connect with people in person, I think, has been challenging, especially when you get new people on the team and things. That was yeah. just always part of our ritual was like if you're a new person, when you join, your team like comes to New York and hangs out. So we would have these moments where the, there was a connection between all of us. And, and so now I think it's it's harder to build trust and empathy and all those other things with new people on the team when you don't get to spend any time day-to-day with them. And you miss you miss a little bit of that serendipitous time too, right? Where you just like bump into people and mm-hmm. those sorts of things,
1: so. Definitely, and that's where some of the best ideas come from and some of those interactions come from, right? Yeah,
0: there there's a lot of value and I think I think about the idea, we were talking the other day about an engineer who was saying something like, um, I work like nine hours Monday to Thursday or whatever and so like I take Friday off or something like that and we were internally at last and we were talking about you know, what are expectations as we, as the company is moving more towards working distributedly? We were thinking about that example and thinking about the engineer who's focused on the outcome of the work, right? His or her work. Right. And they're saying, hey, I can get my work done in this schedule that works for me. But, you know, it isn't, it's like not always about the end, like we're not in these environments where, We're just robots like putting out work, right? Like we're working as a team. And so a lot of times Mm -hmm. how we work as a team means that we might have to change things that even though they might not work great for us, work well when we're all together. So you have to like take into account all the different ways that you can't just optimize for your own individual situation, which I think when you work distributed, that you get a lot of benefits there. Mm -hmm. But that means you also have to think about what are you missing from the group team aspect and how do you put more back into that?
1: It's a great point. I think on the one part, yeah, you're getting this window into people's lives you may not have before. I never thought I'd see so many colleagues' beds, Um, (laughs) especially everyone's in New York, right? In a 500 square foot apartment. Yeah.
0: That's an interesting point about the workspace, right? Because that, so you think about COVID and you think, oh, we're just sort of shoved into this working industry. Like one of the things that we always say is, you know, you need to create a workspace, right? Like if you're going to work from home, you have to have a workspace. It's not like, you're not sitting on your couch. You're not sitting in your bed. You're not, you know, in your bedroom. Mm -hmm. Like there's a sense of like, I'm going to work. If you just wake up, roll out of bed and you're, you know, you're working from there. But on the other hand, like, what do we do now? We're just shoved into that. And so somebody may have chosen, to your point, they live in a studio apartment in the city, probably so that they can be close to an office, right? Right. And now they don't have that flexibility, right? So they they can't go to another room in their apartment because they don't live there. So there's a lot of things that we're doing now where… There might be best practices for how you work in this way, but people are just trying to hold this together. All of a sudden, your workspace is not defined by what are the tools that you're using on your computer, but also what's the hardware that you have? What's the chair that you're sitting in? Mm -hmm. All those things that might have been sort of taken for granted in in a workplace environment where you go to work and they just supply those things to you. But now they're up to you to control. And it'll be Mm -hmm. interesting to see how companies adopt to that and then how they can move budget from what might've been appropriated to what might've been
1: budgeted for the office environment to the home environment and how that all works. I've seen a few different things. I mean, it seems like at the start, some companies like Shopify or Catalyst, they just kind of said, okay, here's a, a flat amount, You know, whatever you need, if you want a microphone, if you want a chair, if you want whatever. But it's definitely something where I think as we've been forced to be in these situations, we've been like, oh, I should also have this and this and this and I should have done bought this instead, maybe, or I should have designed my space if I'd known we were going to be doing this for a year or whoever knows how long, right?
0: Right. That's where you get into these things where it's like in the beginning, people are just like, we need to jump into something. We need, let's all make sure that we figure out how, like I see this with the schools actually, because my kids are doing, they're doing remote learning right now. So the first week is Let's talk about Zoom. Right. How does it work? You know, and so they're learning these skills for this particular environment. You could have substituted other skills that they would have learned for school, right? If they go to school, they're like, "Okay, here's how class is going to start. Everyone's going to sit down when the bell happens or whatever those mm-hmm. practices and traditions that they have inside school. Now they're new new different things." And it's funny, it's funny because in an environment where the teacher can't you know how uh, Zoom, you're all having the same conversation. Like you can't right. You can't go over to one person and yeah. <laughs> sort of whisper in their ear or something like that. So how does that... It's a good feature idea, though. I think there's software that's, that tries to do some of those things. So we'll see how that evolves and, and adapts to... Um, you know, it's like I, I have an Oculus Quest and I was trying to plan out with this app called Spatial the other day to see like, what would it be like if you had a VR meeting? Mm. Because I realized that... One of the things that happens when you put one of those headsets on, one of the things you realize is that they do stereo sound from where the oh. thing is coming from and your brain Interesting. Your brain is really tricked by that in a good way. Like that your sense of, oh, there's a person behind me talking to me or there's a person on my right talking to me. Right. And so when you're in Zoom, you don't you don't get any of that, right? We're all talking to these boxes. Right. But in a space, if I turn my head and I talk, you know, that way, then you, you can tell that I'm addressing this person or this person, right? When you, so you, you see how those things change with the technology, and I'm watching the kids try to figure it out and the teachers try to figure it out. It's a learning process, but, you know, it's week one. They'll adapt. Um,
1: mm-hmm. and, and we're so. raising the next generation of remote workers, right? They're yeah. going to grow up so much more able to do this and not go insane.
0: And they're going to laugh at the tools that we use oh, today, yeah. right?
1: Exactly. The Oculus, Oculus will just be like a, you know, standard. All right, join the company, you get your your branded Oculus set and you can join your all-hands. Do you think that's where I mean, you've used it, I haven't used it yet, but do you think that's something that realistically could be adopted at at companies, tech companies?
0: I noticed that a bunch of people are playing with it, Mm -hmm. like people that do remote work have been like, like you're looking for ways to keep all the advantages that we currently have. But mm-hmm. shave off some of the disadvantages. So, for example, when we first started doing remote work, we would be in New York City, and we'd have a couple people remote. We'd all get in a room for a meeting, and then you'd put the person up on the TV. Right. Right. This is a classic one. You have the person joins, the, you know, they're on the TV because they join the Zoom. What we quickly realized it's like that person is not. It's almost like they're not even there. Like they can't participate in the conversation. So what we did was we were saying if we're gonna have a meeting where somebody's remote, we all just dial in. So even if you're mm-hmm. at your computer, we dial in. that That is. Implica- on how we built our space, so we built a new space in in the city, and so we had all these phone booths that we built mm-hmm. because we knew people were going to be taking calls. Where you might have half the people in the meeting are there present in the space, mm-hmm. but they all have to go and join the meeting remotely so that the meeting can right. take place virtually, not the meeting take place in New York and somebody's joining remotely so interesting i think about those ways that you start to change your behavior in the way that you use the tools to sort of diminish the negatives right the the negative in this case was that that the odd person out on the zoom versus the, the you want everyone to be on the level playing field right and i think that's why I, i've been playing the vr thing and i don't know i don't know if it's there yet it's not like it's certainly you have to buy these headsets how long can you keep the headset on like i don't know right like but it is crazy the the difference between say four or five years ago when you were playing with these devices like it's still a little bit laggy and those sorts of things but if you put the headset on and you get somebody else and they're in the room and you're talking like very quickly you start to forget interesting that you're not in a room with them like very and and I think that that's what you were trying to get to right is like how do we yeah. how do we get that richness of of being together. Of course, you still have to go to that room, right? And it, it's, you know, you're pairing your headset with your computer and it's,
1: uh, you know, it's like... A, That'll get easier. I think there's something there. That's a great point. I can't wait for the day where, I mean, everyone's on the virtual reality and it's just having a meeting but you're talking to like your cat or to the wall or something like that <laughs> and your spouse just sees you. There'll be some good uh, TikToks from that. What about VR versus AR?
0: There's probably a blurring between those two things. Like I know if you put on the the Quest headset, there's a, you can, even though there's no, you can't see through it, it can use the cameras that are coming out to show you what you're seeing. So you can see the room, even though you can't see the room. Oh, okay. Um, and then they can project things on the room. So even VR and AR, it's almost like, It's a little bit of a spectrum, I think. And so there's sort of the question is like, how unobtrusive can you make the device? Mm -hmm. While I was playing with the VR headset, a colleague of mine was talking about how they had used that to go to a conference recently. Okay. And they said that they didn't like that experience because they couldn't multitask, right? The people that were putting the conference on were like, we're just going to head- send headsets to everyone. They sent the headsets, they put the conference on and they were like, ah, I can't really multitask, which is actually interesting because it's That's like kind the of intense. a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. So there's, there's circumstances where you're like, I want that. Like part of the problem I think with zoom is you're in the zoom and you're like, yeah, oh, I'm checking my email, checking Slack. Right. Like in your, and you can kind of disconnect too easily. Mm-hmm. And so that might, it's like good in the one sense because if you're not needed for the meeting then you can kind of do other things but then it's like why are you in the meeting
1: and yeah exactly Interesting. I like that. I mean, I feel like it has to be something where people are opting into that. Like they know what they're getting in for. If they're agreeing to go to a conference, like you're going to actually have to pay attention. It's like everyone's. So the same reason no one ever wanted to sit front row at events that I would put on because it was just if you're front row, you can't be multitasking because speakers are looking right. at you. The moderators right. looking at you. you. You can't be on your phone. You can't be on your phone. You can't like you can yeah. be eating and drinking, I guess. But people would always like the middle of the back. But it's like everyone's front and center.
0: So it's interesting because that is the advantage of doing things live, but you never realized that before, right? Mm -hmm. Captive audience. Like that was like a thing. You're in this room. I'm in the room. Yeah. If you want to do something else, like you have to actually physically remove yourself from the room. So that friction is actually helping form cohesion around this group and the attention of this group. So awesome. Now you're in a virtual environment where you're like, you can come. You don't have to get on a plane, travel here. You could just like attend this conference from anywhere. Awesome. Mm -hmm. But on the other side of that, the question is like, if you had a conference and you don't want to put it on and like 3000 people attend, and then you're like, okay, I'm going to do it virtually. Actually, I think it would be interesting to look at the data because a bunch of people have been in this exact case and then they put it on virtually and you get you know, 20,000 people that sign up. Mm -hmm. But what is the actual room attendance and people that are paying attention for these things? And how do you measure that? Maybe in virtual world, it's the same. Maybe it's less. There's a lot of things they think we're going to learn about how people come together and collaborate in this world. And technology can play a big part in that. But I don't think it's ever going to totally take away. I don't know if technology will ever, like, get to that point where, there's not still things that you love about being in person.
1: Having like evolved as a social species, I don't think we can unlearn that in in such a short span of time that that need for human connection. I think the question is more, can we fake it well enough using technology?
0: The tools that we have today, like the apps, the the technology, it's like, it's really good. (laughs) Like compared to what it was like before, Mm -hmm. like the fact that you and I can have this exchange and it can be this rich, you know, it's like, Mm And and without any like setup or fancy equipment, right? It's just stuff we have plugged into our computers. The video is super crisp. I can see you like as if you were here. So that technology has gotten fantastic. But I I still think if you and I were sitting in the same room yeah. and we we're doing the same podcast, that the end thing would be different in some way. Definitely, you know, like and and I don't know. Because I think because mostly because podcasts are like conversations and there's some element of like the nuances of our body language and our, you know, kind of like the Mm -hmm. energy between us and how that like carries on and does that really carry through like this digital
1: porthole, you know, in the same way. It would be different. I think it's a good point. And I look, look forward to that day that I can build a, a Joe Rogan-style podcast loft in the Catalyst office and start having guests in. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I want to go back to something you were talking about towards the start, which was looking out for your own individual needs right now, but also keeping in mind the team dynamic and the team's needs. What are some ways that You think people can still be supportive of their team, even from afar, and maybe have some of those serendipitous conversations or kind of bring some of that in where you can still connect as humans, even though you're not in the same room together. There's probably a requirement to put,
0: you might end up working more, I I put that in quotes, air quotes, because... I think that you need to check in with people probably more often than you would if you were in person. Like you know how you see somebody in the morning and you can kind of get a vibe, like, hey, are they okay? are they not? Right? How do you do that in the virtual space, right? Like and when is the moment for that? So maybe the um, daily ritual becomes, hey, let's check in for five minutes and go over something today or or just, hey, let's have coffee and th- you know on Tuesdays or something where we might not have done that formally. But that would have happened informally if we were all at the office, right? Like you come in in the morning, you get a coffee, there's a couple people there. And so after, you know, a couple weeks of that, you would know that you've kind of touched base with everyone in this, like not about the work, but how's everything else in life, you know, trying to check in. And I think right now that's super important in the... The thing that makes teams effective is the number one thing is probably empathy and trust. So, I think as a leader, like uh, having that within your team, trusting your team, and having empathy amongst everyone is probably the number one quality of an effective team versus a, a team that's less effective, not necessarily even skill. Mm-hmm. And so, I think in an environment where it's where you need even more empathy because everyone's dealing with so many other things outside of work going on, right? Like just even, Mm -hmm. even if everything is fine, like just the stress of everything is like heightened, right? Like we know that definitely everyone is under extra stress and just other obligations and things Mm -hmm. and that are not normally there. So I think just as a manager, it's like you probably, you probably have to, I wouldn't call them one-on-ones, but you probably need some way to just speak to people, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like this, and not even about work, just to kind of understand whether, how they're feeling. And it's not, it's not text, like, that's not going to cut it, right? It has to be at least video. Yeah. You know, because I think that's really important. Like, we started, we used to do town halls for Trello, just for our sub team. And um, we would do a town hall like once a month when COVID hit and we started working from home, we realized we should start doing these weekly. Mm -hmm. Um, And for a while we were doing them weekly. We called them mini town halls. And so we were just like checking in with everyone. You know, it was 20 minutes and then that started to get a little bit better. So we scaled it back to like once every two weeks, but we were still doing it, you know? So it was like, Hey, be willing to adapt Mm -hmm. how you're working to just kind of create a space for people to connect yeah. more often than you would think that you need to because those connections would have happened in person you just they wouldn't have been informal before they or they would have been formal before they would have been informal and so now you kind of you kind of have to put them on the calendar which is a little bit weird but if you all yeah. kind of know
1: what's going on then it makes it easier Definitely. I feel like everyone had that donut integration on Slack for a long time where it would just connect you and a colleague and say, hey, you guys should go grab a coffee this week yeah. or you should go do this. Yeah. And I don't think I ever actually did it when we were in the office together because I was seeing everyone every day. We would go chill. We'd go for coffees anyway. It was very exactly. spur of the exactly. moment. But now I get it. And immediately I or the person I matched with are like, OK, what's your calendar? Like, do you have time on Thursday? Yeah, you know, exactly. let's chat. Yeah. And you have to, like you said, build it in. I forgot to go back to this because it did uh, pique my interest before when you said that people are, are working more now than they were before. And you made a point of saying that more was going in air quotes. Do you feel like people aren't working more now or was that to clarify something else?
0: If you measured like the time that you're in front of a, a computer screen or something like that, I don't know if you measured minute by minute, you know, how much time you're spending spending talking to somebody at work or working on a work thing. So I don't I don't know that that's more. I think it's just sort of shifted around during the day in different places where it might not have hit before, you know. So you might see the work day, again, air quotes, like starts earlier and ends <laughs> later. But, oh, that, you know, I spent an hour helping my kid with remote learning from 12 to 1. Or I, I went downstairs and right. made myself lunch or, you know. I didn't have to commute today, so I had a meeting this morning, and, and then I went on a walk with my wife or something like that, you know. Nice. So I don't, it's it's unclear to me, but I do think that there are there are new obligations that you have, like in, you know, as we were saying, like how do you connect more with people? Does it take more absolute minutes in the day? I'm not really sure. It takes Being cognizant that that's a thing that you have to do, it's not a function of the fact that you did some other thing. So you commuted to work, the other people were there, you know, you got a coffee for yourself. It was like almost like a byproduct of that, that you ran into other colleagues and talked about, you know, how their weekend went. Right. But now that you don't have that thing, what do you do in order to recreate it? And I think that's a lot about and working in a remote environment is coming up with those traditions and practices that work for your team to sort of recreate those moments and, and figure out how you're gonna communicate and collaborate and all that good stuff.
1: Last question uh, that I wanted to end with. If you were hosting a podcast, who would you want your sponsor to be? If it meant you got an unlimited free supply of, of whatever they sold. Oh.
0: I would like, I'm going to say Tesla. It's a sort of a answer, But the reason I thought about that is not because of the car. I thought about it because of the solar panels. And just thinking, like, right now while we're recording this, there's, like, fires burning all across the western United States. And just thinking about all the things that are going on with the environment and the idea of, like, being more sustainable in in the way we work and the practices and how we, you know, hey, do we need to, Mm -hmm. you know, drive these cars everywhere? Do we need to you know, take these trains. Do we need, can we collaborate without doing that? But also just how do we generate power and those sorts of things. So that made me look out outside and look at the sky and think about my roof. And I would love to have more people making their own power and, you know, sort of not making the climate worse. So, I guess that's my my answer. that's a good one.
1: Well, if we ever if we ever get Elon Musk on, we get Tesla as a sponsor. I'll be sure to bring you back on for for another episode. Okay, awesome, <laughs> awesome. good. Well, thanks so much, Michael. I really appreciate you taking the time and best to your kids and uh, with remote learning and best to you for the the remainder of hopefully not too long of quarantine. Okay, take care. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave us a review and share this podcast with a friend or two or ten. If you want to learn more about Catalyst, visit catalyst.io. Until next week, I'm Ben Wynn, and this was NPS I Love You.
0: P.S. Yes, I Love You.